dizem que nele é uma princesa fenda Que veio junto com seus súditos Acorrentados em carros de boi Eu quero ver, eu quero ver Eu quero ver, eu quero ver Ao centro, senhores sentados Vendo a colheita do algodão branco Sendo colhidos por mãos negras Eu quero ver O que vai acontecer? Zumbi é senhor das guerras, é senhor das demandas Quando zumbi chega, é zumbi quem manda Zumbi é senhor das guerras, é senhor das demandas Quando zumbi chega, é zumbi quem manda calls on the legendary leader of northwestern Brazil's longest-standing Quilombo, the name for maroon settlements uh, of escaped slaves in Brazil, uh, in the northwestern state of Pernambuco, Palmares, uh, which was also known by its inhabitants as Angola, Janga, or Little Angola. This Quilombo successfully resisted various attempts of armed invasion throughout the 17th century until 1694 when it was eventually overrun by mercenaries from Sao Paulo and Zumbi, the leader, ambushed and killed shortly after. The song also references the chamadas or call-outs 
of black fraternities which went by the names of the West African kingdoms such as Angola, Bengala, Mina, Congo and so forth from which slaves had been abducted and shipped to the Americas for centuries. Nominally, these fraternities were associations that participated and competed in carnival parades and also in other ritual events throughout the year, uh, more on this later in the course, but the fraternities also played an important role in organizing mutual support among enslaved uh, Afro-descendant Brazilians, including setting up mutuality funds through which slaves would buy their freedom. It's then also uh, a song that celebrates the various forms of resistance from uh, escape and armed autonomous community buildings to the setting up of networks of solidarity, even under the brutal conditions of the colonial plantation system that Africans built up and maintained throughout the colonial era and beyond. But the song also anticipates Georges Benjot's own departure from his more mainstream uh, beginnings in bossa nova music and subsequent association with the countercultural tropicalia movement of the late 60s and early 70s, and towards a more intensive engagement with black American musical styles, including blues, funk, and reggae that are in evidence in his annual New Year's Eve concerts on Copacabana Beach in uh, Rio de Janeiro. So the character of Zumbi, which we will also re-encounter a few years onward in the name of the monkey beat band Chico Sainz in Assault Zumbi, uh, Zumbi heralds a turn towards the African roots of political and cultural forms of communal resilience in Brazil, a move that we shall also find echoed in Cacá Diegues's filmic engagements with Zumbi and with the story of Palmares in the context of the Brazilian Cinema Novo movement. Brazil was the longest standing slaveholding society in the Americas. And to this day, it's also the country with the largest number of Afro-descendant citizens after Nigeria. In 1538, that is only six years after the uh, official founding of the colony, still under the name of Salvicento, uh, we have the first documented arrival of Africans forcefully deported to uh, the new Portuguese colony in the New World, and slavery was only officially abolished in 1888 uh, when the liberation of all remaining slaves was proclaimed by the Crown Princess Isabel one year before uh, the only monarchy of the New World was overthrown in a Republican coup, supported at least in part by the very landowning planters' elites uh, the monarchy had uh, until the year before staunchly supported. So Brazil was the last country in continental South America to formally abolish 
slavery and in between in these 300 plus years of a slavery-based plantation economy, an estimated 4 million Africans were forcefully brought to Brazil with many more uh, not surviving the Middle Passage. But slavery as a system of production also pre-existed as well as outlasted the forced uh, labour and trafficking of enslaved Africans even before sugar and later tobacco and coffee barons in Brazil had the means to finance transatlantic slave trading, thus de facto also making the Portuguese settlements uh, at Elmina in Ghana and Luanda in Angola sub-colonial outposts entirely financed by the Pernambuco and Rio de Janeiro plantation oligarchy, even before uh, colonialism in Brazil had already relied on indigenous forced labour, a labour source quickly exhausted, not just through uh, the epidemics and the high death rates, um, but also through withdrawal of native peoples further inland. On the other hand, even the formal abolition of slavery did not keep one of the most unequal societies in the world from making poor people, and poor people are obviously still disproportionately indigenous or Afro-descendants, at work outside the system of legal protection for salaried employment and in conditions of de facto slavery, slavery, notably during the late 19th and the early 20th century, uh, during the rubber boom in the Amazon, uh, slavery and also uh, punishments such as uh, lashings, mutilations uh, and other forms of physical torture were widely reintroduced against predominantly indigenous uh, forced labourers killing hundreds of thousands of people. Yet African resistance and quote-unquote emancipation also long predates the official abolition of slavery, which, just as in the US, only came about very gradually and actually in response to the very political struggles uh, mostly led by Afro-descendants themselves against the slavery institution. Black resistance in Brazil expressed itself mainly through uh, three main uh, channels. The first one was the so-called alforia or paid liberation. As already mentioned, societies of African freedmen uh, would pool resources for buying slaves' freedom um, in what was effectively the first form of mutuality or of uh, cooperative fundraising in the country. Often this would initially happen under the cover of religious, uh, religious of, of Catholic charity organizations, uh, but soon uh, these would also uh, in fact reassemble uh, African nations in America and the carnival schools descend from these colonial black fraternities harking back to uh, the West African, Angolan, uh, Congolese and so forth identities that Georges Benjot's song uh, convokes. 
the kilo-ohms are the second important form of resistance because uh, the sugar and tobacco uh, plantations during the first centuries of colonization were largely concentrated on a narrow coastal strip. Slaves escaping uh, into the bush, into the matul, beyond uh, the sugar fields, almost immediately formed uh, maroon communities that oftentimes managed to maintain their autonomy through dealing with indigenous groups further inland, as well as uh, with poor white and mulatto farmers and village merchants, much to the scorn of the great landholders, the Senores de Ingenio, whose political and economical uh, control uh, effectively depended uh, on military extermination of the Quilombos, also to keep uh, the free uh, small crop farmers in check. And thirdly, we have, especially from the late 18th and early 19th century onward, a series of uprisings and rebellions uh, in which uh, we find in part reassembled the very same coalitions and alliances uh, that uh, the military uh, uh, extermination campaigns against Quilombos had sought to destroy. To quote uh, just a few dates, in Rio de Janeiro we have a great uprising in 1794, in Bahia in 1798, in Recife in 1801, and also again in 1810 and 1817, in Belém do Pará we have a permanent state of uprising between 1835 and 1840. So you can see that for almost a half century between the late 18th and mid 19th century, we have an almost permanent state of uh, rebellion locally as well as uh, more regionally. And very often these uh, rebellions articulate local separatist uh, and social causes including the liberation of slaves with other, uh, for instance, religious ones, as in the famous 1835 Malay revolt in Bahia that was initiated by <coughs> learned Muslim uh, Hausa and Nagor slaves from uh, Northwest Africa who had become inspired by the Haitian Revolution. Different than from uh, African-American experiences in the US, Afro-Brazilians were in fact able to uh, maintain a greater uh, degree of linguistic, religious, musical uh, and other uh, social forms and traditions from Africa, in part through the use of autonomous African communities such as Palmares, but also because there was uh, less of a strategic separation uh, of slaves that came from one and the same language and region than was practiced in the US South. Also, on the other hand, exchanges and intermarriages with indigenous societies, particularly, uh, but not only in the Quilombos, also brought about a unique sharing out of culinary habits, of pharmaceutical knowledges, of spiritual uh, uh, forms, as well as of weaponry and of war skills and tactics. 
representations of Afro-Brazilianness uh, are therefore much more at the heart of debates over Brazilianness, over Brazilian national identity than in the US. We can see this, for example, in the uh, two films made by Carlos Diegues, Cacá Diegues, one of the main representatives of the Cinema Novo, the new cinema uh, movement of 20th century Brazil, about the Quilombo dos Palmares. Ganga Zumba from 1963 uh, is a work from the first avant-gardist phase of the Cinema Novo movement. Uh, it was re-released only in 1972 after being uh, censored for uh, almost 10 years by the military regime after the 1964 coup. And secondly, Quilombo from 1984, a tropicalist musical made a year before the uh, negotiated, uh, limited, quote-unquote, return to democracy, the end of the dictatorship, which is also, the film, a political history, then, of contemporary Brazil through the lens, through the retelling of African resistance against colonialism. So both films, in fact, tell Afro-Brazilian history as a parable of uh, their own present, uh, the present in which the films were made, the 1960s and the 1980s. And in today's lecture, I want to uh, start by giving an overview of the history um, and uh, origins of the Quilombo. Palmares. And secondly, I want to briefly compare the two films by Kakadiegs, Ganga Zumba and Quilombo, uh, and ask how does the meaning of the history of Palmares change over time. The Quilombo dos Palmares was the longest lasting among the documented Quilombo communities. It lasted from around 1600 to 1694. Yet the problem with these colonial records and dates is that usually uh, they are in fact about military retributions, uh, about military campaigns against the Quilombo. So we hear about them in the Portuguese colonial archives only from the point when they're being besieged and often defeated and erased. Um, but uh, the persistent references to Quilombos as a threat to the uh, security of the plantation belt from about the mid-16th to the early 19th century uh, also actually indicates the resilience and comprehensive presence of Quilombos throughout Brazilian colonial society. Um, as long as slavery existed, so did armed resistance and autonomous community building. Palmares, which presented the most enduring uh, armed resistance to colonial power, has therefore become deeply ingrained in Afro-Brazilian as well as in regional northeastern popular memory and oral culture. A brief historical overview around the eight, end of the uh, 16th century 
runaway slaves establish a so-called mukambu, uh, which is a word that comes from kimbundu, from West African language, where mukambu means hideout. Uh, they established this mukambu in a mountainous uh, area just outside the coastal sugar belt on the border of today's states of Pernambuco and Alagoas. Uh, it was known as Palmares because of the prevalent tree species there, palm trees. And taking advantage of the intercolonial wars between the Dutch and the Portuguese during the Dutch occupation of Pernambuco and also of Angola between 1634 and 1654, numerous runaway slaves joined the community, also establishing their networks of mutual support and information exchange with resident poor whites and with indigenous communities in the vicinity. By 1676, a report by the military uh, commander of an expedition called uh, Captain Fernão Carillo, uh, that was sent against Palmares after the Portuguese um, victory against the Dutch, describes a federation of farming villages surrounding uh, what Carillo calls the royal compound of Macaco, where uh, the so-called Ganga Zumba resides. And he names some of these villages Zambi, Akotireni, Tabocas, Dambrabanga, Subupira, Osmega, Amaru, and Andalakitush. Ethno-linguists and historians still debate the possible origins of uh, some of these uh, toponyms. And again, these might actually be corrupted as we only know them through uh, the transcriptions in the Portuguese sources. But these linguists conclude that some of these names, like Zambi or Dambrabanga, may be rooted in Bantu languages of southwestern Africa, while others, such as Akotirene and Subupira, uh, point more to uh, Tupi Guarani, that is to indigenous roots, and yet others are in Portuguese, Macaco, Amaru, and they may actually refer to uh, the chiefs, the local leaders rather than the villages itself, or as in the case of macaco, which means monkey, may uh, point to an animal sacrifice ritual or foundation as was being used in Yoruba and Congolese religions. Recent archaeological excavations in the area uh, in which many indigenous as well as African human remains, tools and ornamentry has been found backs up the linguistic evidence of a mixed-race community structured according to West African spiritual models. As the historian R.K. Kent suggests, quote, Palmaris did not spring from a single social structure. It was rather an African political system which came to govern a plural society and thus give continuity to what could have been at best, a group of scattered hideouts." End quote. Another historian, uh, Robert Nelson Anderson, suggests that uh, the change of uh, reference in 
the colonial records to Palmaris sometime around the mid-17th century from Mokumbo to Quilombo, a word that hadn't been used previously in colonial uh, chronicles, points to a form of social organization adopted in 17th century uh, Angola. Remember no, that the, um, the other name for Palmaris was Angola, Zanga or Little Angola. In Kimbundu, uh, Kilombo is a male initiation camp and by extension it also means a military or a warrior society. And in the mid-17th century, following the collapse of the large Congo and Gola uh, kingdoms under the pressure from the slave trade, but also uh, as a result of war against neighboring nations, some of the people of central Angola reorganized themselves in proto-republican communities called Imbangala, uh, or federations of villages that were in fact uh, centered on uh, the Quilombo citizen militias. Uh, two protagonists of our story, Ganga Zumba and Zumbi, probably have their roots in this very tradition. And again, a bit of history. In 1678, uh, Ganga Zumba appears in the records as signing a peace treaty with the governor of Pernambuco, uh, agreeing to move his community to the Kukau Valley further northwest uh, in exchange for uh, a promise of peace. But in 1680, uh, the Portuguese military commander calls on uh, Capitão Zumbi, the Captain Zumbi, to uh, honor this treaty, to depose his arms and to join his uncle Gana Zona as the legitimate successor to uh, who he calls King Gana Zuma, who he claims has been poisoned by rivals. The name Ganga Zumba possibly, says Anderson, uh, is a, a corruption of the Kimbundu term Nganga Zumbi, which is a religious title among the Imbangala and refers to a priest healer. So perhaps it was not really a proper name, but rather an office uh, held by uh, a healer, advisor. Ganga Zumba was not so much a king as a priest figure. Um, we also know that Zumbi was in fact a military uh, commander of the Palmares community, and we know this uh, from a priest, Antonio Melo, who claims to have raised and educated Zumbi uh, for the priesthood after uh, he had been born at Palmares in 1655 and kidnapped as a baby during a Portuguese raid, uh, only to escape back to Palmares at age 15. Some five years later, in 1675, he emerges again uh, in the colonial archives as the commanding um, officer of Palmaris's defences against Captain Carillo's uh, campaign. Carillo actually claims to have inflicted a leg wound on who he calls General Zumbi. And again, it's interesting that 
Nzumbi uh, with an N at the beginning, N-Z-U-M-B-I in Kimbundu, uh, is a ghostly, a warlike being. And it's also the uh, etymological root of the Haitian uh, myth of the zombie. Zumbi uh, is a ghost maybe because he returned from white captivity to wage war on his captors. He came back from the dead to avenge uh, his, his, his captures. According to Portuguese documents, Zumbi would have been the leader of uh, a kind of palace revolt against Ganga Zumba uh, and against the agreement to move away from Palmares to the Kukau Valley uh, and would have held out for another 15 years until finally being defeated by a mercenary army of bandeirantes, of uh, 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 slave hunters from the state of Sao Paulo. Uh, Zumbi uh, escaped from the final siege of Palmares but was killed the following year, his head brought uh, and put uh, up on public display at Recife. And it's interesting what Anderson has to say about this um, African origin of the governing structure of uh, Palmares. He says, the flexibility of the institution of the Quilombo as a mechanism for integrating a lineageless community engaged in warfare and self-defense, as was Palmaris, explains why some adaptation of the Imbangala institution would thrive in Brazil, even if only a minority of Palmaris's inhabitants were actually Imbangala. Whatever the ethnic composition of Palmaris at any given time, one can make the case that certain African cultural forms and practices lent themselves to an adaptation to the problematic of the new world. In this instance, the central African solution of the Quilombo served the Bahian Maroons, uniting Malungus, or comrades, from diverse ethnic backgrounds, not on the basis of lineage, but for purposes of commodity production, raiding and self-defense. Ganga Zumba and Quilombo, Cacadiegues' two films, tell this story in very different ways. Each of them tries to use it as a way of holding a mirror to its own present of struggle against neo-colonial exploitation, against dictatorial repression. The films, as I said, were made in very different moments. 1963, the moment Ganga Zumba was made, was one of national modernization, industrialization, uh, the inauguration of the new capital. Brasilia was only three years back, uh, a capital that had been built in only four years. Uh, the motto of the outgoing president, João Kubitschek, had been uh, 50 years in five. No? But this uh, modernizing agenda in turn also uh, brought about a radicalization of the urban working and middle class as well as the rural proletariat. Uh, the Minister of Labour, João Goulart, who uh, rose to the presidency uh, on the back of a sleep sweeping labour rights reform um, in uh, Pernambuco, where uh, Palmaris 
uh, was situated, a prefect called Miguel Arraiz uh, passes a land reform act that expropriates unfarmed lands from great landowners in favor of peasant cooperatives. And this process of political and social uh, radicalization is suddenly cut short by the 1964 military coup d'etat, with which ushers in a brutal 21-year dictatorship. The cinema novel of the 1960s is part of this radicalization of society. The filmmaker and intellectual leader of the movement, Glauber Rocha, uh, penned a manifesto called uh, the aesthetics of hunger, where he urges the third world filmmaker to make their very lack of technical expertise and of, of, of means uh, into the filmic expression of the hunger suffered by the oppressed of the third world. So the cinema from the south, says Glauber, must be violent, must be uneven, must be unstructured, just as are the violent responses of the famished themselves. By contrast, the tropicalist cinema of the 1970s is part of a musical, literary and artistic movement that attempts to subvert the shallow mass culture of the dictatorship by drawing out the sharp contrasts and the shrill mixtures between global a commercial pop consumer culture with the Brazilian popular tradition, especially uh, that of the heavily African-influenced Northeast, where the movement's most prominent musicians uh, were from, including Gilberto Gil, who composed the soundtrack for Quilombo. Tropicalismo was then an attempt to use uh, the culture industry and even kitsch for a critical, uh, satirical, parodic exposure, exposure of the uneven Brazil of the dictatorship. The opening sequence of Quilombo already reveals this very different take on history. Both films, both Ganga Zumba and Quilombo, start with the brutal torture and assassination of a slave. But in Ganga Zumba, we see at the beginning the ritual mourning, the dance of fellow slaves in a cinema verite mode with a camera that suggests ethnographic authenticity uh, through a handhold and out-of-focus shots circling around the dancers. Whereas in Quilombo, uh, the same or similar sequence of, of torture and murder of a slave has an aspect of absolute farce to it, the acting being deliberately unauthentic, over-the-top, non-realistic. I want to focus uh, on, on a character who appears in both uh, film. Obviously, the main characters, Ganga, Zumba and Zumbi, uh, are present in both films. But an interesting uh, third character is the one of Dandara, the maid uh, who turns uh, Palmari's uh, resident and leader. In Quilombo, she switches sides almost on first occasion. Uh, when she gets the first chance to turn against her white 
masters and becomes the female leader who urges the group to join Palmares and later even becomes a warrior chief who sides with Zumbi against Ganga Zumba when the latter signs the peace treaty with the Pernambuco governor. In Ganga Zumba, Dandara is a much more complex figure. At the beginning, she represents the alienated slave who even warns her white mistress when runaway slaves attack their party and uh, end up uh, capturing her on the road from one plantation to another. But more and more towards the end of the film, she will turn into the one helping the other escapees, such as the dying Arodoba, one of the slaves uh, that were leading the escape, uh, she helps them reach the clearing where finally the warriors from Palmaris save the group from the white slave hunters uh, on their tracks. Dandara in Ganga Zumba is a kind of female counterpart to the male protagonist uh, Ganga Zumba, uh, both of whom um, only uh, through and only after their joined experience of flight from the plantation to the forest embrace the cause of their community. Their story is here one of the making of a revolutionary consciousness and that is kind of the, the parable for the present of the whole Brazil that the film tries to build around the figure of Ganga Zumba. In Quilombo, the emphasis is instead on the festive and transgressive, uh, even erotic aspects of Afro-Brazilian culture. It's no longer, or it's not just armed resistance, but it's also the cultural resilience of Palmares and of Afro-Brazilian culture more widely that now makes it a forerunner to the counter-cultural resistance to the dictatorship which uh, Tropicalia and Tropicalismo uh, embody and which has likewise taken over the struggle against oppression after the defeat of the earlier politicized uh, resistance in guerrilla movements in the uh, early phase of the dictatorship. Whereas then Ganga Zumba tells the story of black consciousness awakening as a model and as a precursor to the contemporary uh, peasant and workers self-organization and revolt in the early 60s, that is, as a story of social and political revolution, Quilombo foregrounds instead the dimension of culture revolution of Afro-Brazilian music, dance and religion as a template for a culture-based form of resilience and survival in the present of dictatorship.